Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I am Gareth, writer of Skewed and Reviewed, and you can catch us online at sknr.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, travel, pop culture, entertainment, and more. You can also catch us at Pinal, P-I-N-A-L, central.com, keyword skewed, which is a network of newspapers that carries our game reviews. We're available on uh, Open Critic. You can catch us on Sci-Fi Radio. Uh, you can catch me on the radio from time to time. And, of course, we have our student reviewed magazine. And I've got the crew with us, including Joey D. Uh, Z, excuse me. And uh, everything is good to go. We've got a lot of topics to get into. So I am going to launch it right out of the start with a couple of uh, quick news bits. First off, a lot of interesting movie news uh, going on, and we'll be talking about that later. Uh, one movie that I did want to highlight because I'm concerned it might fall a little below the radar with some of the bigger releases coming up is a movie called The Zone of Interest. It got a little bit of a release last year in certain areas for award consideration, but it's getting its big release on January 19th. And it is a very compelling Holocaust film uh, taken from the point of view of a German officer and his family centered against Auschwitz. And he is, um, how do we put this? A very willing participant, I would say, in uh, what is going on. I'm trying not to spoil any of it for you. But it's an interesting way of showing the desensitization of the atrocities that they were responsible for and around because the focus of the family is more about their ideal setting and their dream life and the family house, which just happens to be right next to the death camp. And they're more concerned about not being transferred away from it as opposed to the stuff that's going on there. So very interesting film, very uh, thought-provoking, and that is the zone of interest. It will be out on January 19th. So we had a lot of stuff going on at the Consumer Electronics Show, and of course Michael is going to be talking about a lot of stuff uh, in depth. I wanted to mention a couple things before we get into that. And we were very happy to get a visit over to the Razor booth. And I uh, got to see two of the products. Uh, these were not on the floor. We had, uh, you know, closed-door meetings for this. The first one was the Iskar V2. Now, this is an ergonomic chair. But one of the great things about it was a little later in the afternoon, we were able to come back and have a chiropractor who works with the eSports community sit there and show how these custom uh chairs work so you have lumbar support you can adjust it for height my wife has got a bad back she came in and she said it felt absolutely wonderful and one of the great things about it was the uh back of the chair if you have like a dual monitor set up and you turn to the left you turn to the right it moves with you instead of making you have to reshift and reset and it just was a very fantastic thing it's one that i definitely wanted to know more about our rep there was brand new to the company i'd known him for a while in the gaming uh various gaming companies he'd only been with razor a few weeks and he said he'd had some back issues and absolutely loves the chair it's been a huge help for him and ironically i was doing really well and all of a sudden i get back and i don't know whether it was the long drive there and back 
or lugging around a camera bag or a combination of it combined with the hotel bed. My back's been stiff the last few days, and I'm thinking, hmm, I certainly wish I had something like that to uh, tie it into. Now, for me, the gamer, the thing that I really was blown away by, and not that I wasn't impressed with the ergonomic chair, was the Razer um, haptic sense uh platform and it's called the Enki. Now guys see I'll see if I can make sense of this for you. Michael, I know you had uh dealt with haptic vest and stuff like that. I went by and saw them as well. But imagine a haptic system built into a chair. So I sat there and they played me a little video clip, little sizzle reel. So like you could hear you could feel stuff behind you. You could feel stuff to the side of you. You could feel stuff to the front. And I thought, okay, this could be really fun for Call of Duty, you know, if someone comes to sneak up behind you. So then they handed me a controller and said, okay, you're going to play a round of MK1. Now, I am bad at Mortal Kombat. I had not played MK1, even though we did an interview for it at San Diego Comic-Con. I got in there, started wailing on the guy, and you could feel like various parts of the uh, system vibrating when you're landing these punches and kicks. And I'm thinking I'm taking the guy out. And then all of a sudden he goes to town and starts unleashing all kinds of crazy moves on me. And I'm thinking, okay, that's it. And it was getting pretty uh, intense. Uh, and then lo and behold, I was able to come up with a counter, uh, went off on a bit and won the match. And it was like, you know, that was really nice because you felt like you were involved in it. It was very immersive, but it wasn't unpleasant every time you got the buzzing or the motion that took you out of the immersion of the game. And the final thing I played was this robot game, and they had four different weapons on it. And they told me, make sure you fire every single one of the weapons, because each one had its own unique vibration platform. And so that was really cool. So, you know, I asked them, you know, how many games are supporting this? Uh, it's brand new. They said the technology's out there for game companies to start incorporating this into games. So very, very excited to see how that goes and you know the final thing before we get on to our topics is a game i really enjoyed bullet storm i played the original version i have played the uh remastered loaded version and now i have played the vr version and i can honestly say uh while i am very anxious for a sequel there was talk that one was coming but the company opted to put the resources to uh, a new Gears of War game. That being said, the game is really good. If you've never played it, it is a fantastic first-person shooter. One of the keys to it was you have some very creative ways to take out enemies, uh, such as kicking them into all kinds of traps and dangers. You have this electronic leash where you can pull things on them, you can grab them, toss them in the air. The beautiful thing about it is the more creative you are with how you take them out, you get more bonus points, and the more bonus points you get, the uh, better your upgrades for your weapons and your gear are. And, like, one of my favorites was kicking a guy into a flesh-eating plant. There was, like, some rebar I was able to pull him in. Took a little bit to get used to because I'm, you know, used with the mouse and keyboard and my hot button, whereas in the VR setup, I had to literally pull a thumbstick down to kick and, you know, so on and so forth. We have some video up on the site. Lots of fun, so definitely check it out. Okay, folks, so let's get to the topic. Uh, this week, we heard that not only is the Alien TV series back in full production, 
Uh, not only will it possibly go longer than one season, but a lot of talk and implication is that it is going to essentially retcon the direction Prometheus and Alien Covenant went in. And it's important to remember it is set before the original Alien film. We'll start with Justin. What do you think about all this and what do you think they're going to do? Yeah, so the more I hear about this series, uh, I don't, uh, I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, I'm a little mixed. I mean, uh, I'm, I, I think the things that make me excited for it are a lot of the people involved in making the series. So I know the uh, showrunner, creator, kind of creative mind behind it is uh, uh, Noah Hawley, who's behind um, a very good uh, kind of, kind of X-Men spinoff Legion. Uh, But for me, more importantly, uh, the Fargo television series was absolutely excellent. He was the showrunner behind that series as well. Um, But as far as premise goes, I'm, I'm still real mixed on, on the things I hear about it, just coming from uh, someone who's really, you know, really into the alien series. Um, I think the thing that really kind of, uh, I, I'm sticking with that. I, that concerns me slightly is uh, the involvement of Earth. Um, to me, uh, a huge, you know, cornerstone of the Alien series is preventing the Xenomorph from from touching Earth. So, um, to set it on Earth, I, I think that was one of the issues that the Alien vs Predator movies had. It sort of robs, in my mind, uh, Alan Ripley's whole quest uh, to to prevent the aliens from reaching Earth. Uh, kind of um, makes it meaningless if, if they were already there. Um, also, you know, and this might be a controversial take, but I I like the 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 uh, the prequel movies. I mean, I I understand, I totally understand the criticisms against them. Prometheus and Alien Covenant both had issues, but uh, I I actually I really liked the direction it was going in. I thought it added a lot of flavor to the to the universe. And was going in a in a in a direction that would be pretty interesting to see how it would link up uh, with Alien. Uh, to so to have it be retconned, I'm I guess I would have to know what what they're retconning and how they're doing it. If they're just throwing it out completely, I don't know yet if I'm if I'm uh, really on board with that. Unless it it really kind of comes up with something uh, even more interesting uh, in, in its place. So. Uh, I guess to in the short version, I'm I'm very intrigued. Obviously, as an alien fan, I'm I'm intrigued in in the show. I, I uh, I'm a big fan of some of the people behind it, but uh, I'm kind of in a wait and see um, mode until I see more about what its actual premise is. Because really, at the end of the day, we don't exactly know what the show is about. We just know kind of some information about when it's set and what things it will and won't won't focus on. Makes sense, Michael. Your take, please. Yeah, and I'm on I'm on board with Justin in this too because I agree. I don't I don't think the prequel movies were all that bad. I think what the disappointment was for a lot of folks was that it just wasn't aliens. We'll put it that way. Um, it what it was again. It was it was more focused on you know where did they come from, who were the creators, all that kind of thing. Um, and I rewatched Covenant um, recently because I hadn't seen it for a while, and I actually enjoyed it. I think more rewatching it. Um, again, was it were they perfect? Absolutely not. Um, you know, would I have preferred something more along the lines of a, an Aliens movie with a little bit more featured on um, the Xenomorph versus you know the creators and all that sort of stuff? Sure. Uh, but again, I I don't 
I didn't find them to be horrible. Um, just just kind of had to change my expectation of what to expect. That being said, I also agree with the whole premise of aliens on Earth. <sighs> because to me, that's kind of been done with the Alien versus Predator movies. And those those weren't they just I mean they weren't terrible but talk about really miss missed potential with that with that whole idea right and, and I think what people want what I kind of want is more away from earth um I, I you know the the whole um what do they call it NASA futuristic NASA feel of you know the older ships are out in space um, being on planets that were being terraformed, the whole premise that kind of the first two movies, even three to some degree, kind of got right, um, where it was it was really more focused on, you know, in space, nobody can hear you scream, that whole being out in space. Uh, and to Justin's point, the whole point of it not being on Earth, I think once it comes to Earth, it kind of brings a completely different feel to it, again, like the Alien versus Predator uh, movies did. And I think that does the whole franchise a bit of a disservice. Now, again, it's not that we won't be surprised by this. I'm not saying that there isn't um, some potential, some potential there. Again, it'll be interesting to see are they yeah are they going to completely um, forget the um, the prequel movies? Is this going to be a alternate universe sort of take where those things existed but not in this particular universe in this particular time frame? How does that correlate with the original movies that sort of thing so i mean without knowing a lot more about it uh it would be really curious uh, but otherwise i think if you put them on earth it just becomes another horror movie and it kind of loses what the initial ones really brought to the table yeah definitely a lot of good points there and uh joey what do you have on this you know, I'm optimistic, uh, not only because there's another Prometheus fan in this uh, this call, because that's awesome. I thought I was the only one who liked that movie here. <laughs> I didn't but, mind it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I think uh, this Alien reboot, I think it has a lot of potential. Uh, obviously, we talked about Noah doing Legion and Fargo. Uh, I can see almost like a Gravity-esque type series where it's very horror forward, but they do capture that. It's on Earth, but it's more about the distance between Earth and wherever they are in space, I hope. Like Michael and Justin said, though, if it's just them being on Earth, I don't really like that whole grab with what the IP already has. But I'm excited. I think that there's a lot of room here to make a really good series. I was a little worried at first because I think this was supposed to be for FX, but now Disney has it. I'm not 100% sure how horry they can go with Disney. <laughs> you know, how can you get to that almost rated R-esque? That we would want from Alien, if you would, in a TV series, because it needs that suspense and that that long crawl where you know someone's going to get you know killed here or there to keep it going. But uh, I mean, I love the series in general, so you won't hear me complain until it comes out. Yeah, the main thing is this is all part of the uh, Fox purchase from Disney. So essentially. You know, Disney has said they have no problem with R-rated content. We didn't have a problem with Hulu with the recent Prey film, uh, Predator film. So I'm kind of hoping this will be fine. It was going to be on FX. It is going to be on FX, but it is also going to be on Hulu the next day. So what I've been told is think of the Fargo series as the template because that is the creator. So while they do have some pretty hardcore content, uh, you know, they definitely pick their spots for it. 
What I am very curious about is Alien Romulus, which is coming out next August. And that is supposed to take place after Alien and before Aliens. We know that this new series takes place before Alien. I just am curious if there was any kind of, I know Ridley Scott's kind of the go-between on this. I've been very curious if there's any kind of uh, issue with continuity because I would be concerned that the TV series goes off in one direction and the movies essentially go their direction because you're they're kind of at this part where you need to come up with some new continuity, but at the same time, you want to stay in keeping with the original um, films. And by that is, you know, I think we can agree. You can say what you want about uh, Alien 3, but I think we can, for the most part, agree it was more enjoyable than what they ended up coming up with for uh, Alien Resurrection. And, you know, we don't need to go into all the reasons behind it, but I think if you ask the majority of people, you could say, okay, so what exactly are they going to be doing? And I don't want to see a situation that I feel that many of the Alien comic books and pretty much all of the... Uh, novelizations have gone to where people are throwing out these things just to be radically different and you're like did you even watch any of the films you know uh, I'll try to avoid spoilers here but here's like a case in point they have the new book out uh, Bishop which is supposed to be a direct sequel to Aliens well all of a sudden supposedly within a few days a few weeks whatever a short time after um, Aliens, I think we can agree on that. All of a sudden, we're supposed to just accept that all the factions out there not only know about the aliens, but have specimens. And there's no explanation given as to how this all happened. And you're like, well, wait a second. You keep referencing events of Aliens and Alien 3, uh, you know, one of the characters from Alien 3 is right there. Well, two of them, actually, are right there in the book. So it's fairly recent after the events of Alien 3. But yet, here's uh, all these factions that have aliens, and we don't know where they came from. We're never given any idea how they got this knowledge. And I'm like, this directly contradicts all the other stuff. And I know that there has to be some creative license made to make these books move forward, but don't bill yourself as a direct follow-up to the movies uh, if you are going to have such just absolutely lazy and shoddy continuity to it. You see so many of these things where they do that. It's like, oh, here's a station, and hey, they got all these eggs, and they've got all this, and they've been experimenting forever, and it's like, where did these all come from? You know, let's not be lazy. Let's have at least a little bit of creativity because didn't Alien Resurrection clearly say 200 years later, Ellen Ripley died effectively wiping this species from the universe, hence why they had to take such drastic measures to try to get a hold of the sample 200 years later. That's canon. That pretty much, to me, says it all. There were no aliens that were interacting with humans of any kind for that 200-year window. But yet, here they go. So that you know, that's my big concern, is that they're just going to start 
throwing stuff out there for the sake of being new and different, and it's not going to tie in. But, you know, we get this with video games, too. I mean, I, I almost hate to bring it up, but Aliens Colonial Marines, they explain some aspect of how some of them were around after the atmospheric processor blew, but they're certainly, considering how many of the Marines took down in Aliens and how many I personally put down in the game, uh, the numbers weren't adding up as to where they kept replenishing <laughs> their, their stock from. I'm like, yeah, no. Because uh, <laughs> I, I, I definitely put down quite a few of them on my way through the game. So that's just my little uh, nitpick. So we will stay with Joey for this one. We had the uh, big showcase today for the upcoming Xbox games. And uh, we finally got the long, long-awaited reveal of the new Indiana Jones game, which was announced ages ago, but we had never had a title, anything. We finally got the news. It's called Indiana Jones and the Great Circle. We got a trailer. We got a date that it's coming sometime this year. So, Joey, what do you think of it? Can't believe I'm going to say this, Gareth, but I'm excited for an Indiana Jones game. I mean, it breaks off right off the bat with a lot of whip. A whole lot of whip. That's what Indy's doing in this trailer. Uh, a lot of action, a lot of jumping scenes, a lot of, uh, you know, jumping out of the way of stuff with the whip, a lot of, you know, uh, callbacks to the movie with, like, some creepy crawlers crawling up Indy's arm. Uh, they made it very clear that this is going to be a big budget game. And this is what a lot, of, I think, of Indy fans have been waiting for. Uh, it even has Harrison Ford's likeness. I believe they paid for it so they could kind of, like, half animate him, if you will, in the game. Uh, and then, of course, you will be shooting some people, but, you know, it's going to uh, it's going to have its, sto its own story. Uh, I, I, it's going to step between, between uh, Ark and uh, what's the other one? Crusade, I believe yeah. is what it's going to uh, uh, be, uh, happen between uh, mm -hmm. 2024. I mean, I, I got to tell you, it's not what I went in thinking it was going to be like, but it kind of strikes me almost as like an uncharted meets a Fast and Furious movie which is weird, but it's kind of what I've wanted as an indie fan for a long time. Yeah, and that, I think, is a very good way of putting it. Uh, Justin, do you have any comments on it? Yeah, it looks good. I, I think uh, the thing that I'm curious about, um, watching the trailer, it does seem to uh, be in first person, uh, which makes sense for the developers, so Machine Games, who made the... Uh, uh, the Wolfen the newer Wolfenstein games, which um, I, I didn't play the most recent one, but uh, the the other two I, I was a big fan of. Um, and it, it's a kind of it, it's kind of struck me too watching the trailer where uh, I was like, oh, you know, you you fight not they they know their stuff. I mean, you, you, they're they're really good at making games where you fight Nazis. Uh, they <laughs> uh, they they know their stuff in that regard. So it. You know, you wouldn't think that Wolfenstein and uh, Indiana Jones go together, but uh, it, it seems like it, it was a natural fit. Uh, it does seem like they're really focusing on uh, getting the the whip right, which I I think obviously that's that's what, really the mechanic. You know, same thing with like Spider Man. That's the one mechanic. This web swinging is the one mechanic you need to get right in a Spider Man game. Um, the the whip is what you need to get right in Indiana Jones. So, uh, I. I guess the one thing I'm I'm curious about I I'd like to see more like a gameplay demo maybe, um, is it it seems like the the more natural uh, uh emulation I guess uh you would you would go for is an Uncharted because Uncharted is very much you know 
like the video game version of Indiana Jones, obviously very inspired by Indiana Jones. Um, and that sort of third person running, um, jumping, uh, platforming kind of, uh, adventure style, um, would, uh, you would think that would be kind of like the, you would gravitate towards that naturally, but obviously machine games more familiar with a a first person perspective. So I'm really curious to see how the first person's perspective works. Um, and honestly, I think that's probably makes it more unique because, if it did look exactly like Uncharted, people would probably say, "Oh, this looks like Uncharted." But, uh, but yeah, so I'm I'm curious to to see more. Michael, what do you take? Yeah, so and I agree because we go because to me it was like you know Uncharted looked like Tomb Raider, the original Tomb Raider, and then the remake of Tomb Raider. So I thought it was really interesting they went with a first person perspective, and usually first person perspectives when it comes to things like doing anything but shooting. I mean, let's be honest. Um, you know, hand-to-hand fighting in first person is usually not um, very seamless. It's usually kind of clunky and feels awkward. But the way the, and again, this is just a, a, a preview. We haven't seen really actual gameplay, right? So they always kind of cater this. So it's hard to, to see how fluid it will be. But it really seems very fluid. I was actually surprised at how how fluid those things, like the whip, like, you know, Justin brought up the whip, the whip motion, the the hand-to-hand combat that they've shown. I mean, because anybody can, you know, any anymore doing guns with first-person shooters or, or, you know, Diamond does at this point. They can be good or bad, but generally speaking, they're not terribly difficult to pull off. But if they can pull off the fluid motion of things like um, hand-to-hand combat, the whip motion, the climbing, these things that are traditionally more third-person focused, because, again, it's, it's easier to do these things in third-person. Um you know, behind the back when you're you're climbing things or when you're um, doing, you know, fighting things, it, you have a little bit more control of what you see so you can kind of maneuver a little bit easier. Um, seeing this in first person, I was pretty impressed, uh, to be honest. And um, for me, being a VR person that I am, it also makes it a little bit easier transition into a VR type solution should that ever come. And I'm not saying that, um, we'll ever see that uh, again, you know, from, from Xbox in particular. But that being said, is it, it, it does kind of lend itself to that you being Indiana Jones versus you controlling somebody that looks like Indiana Jones, a la Alan Wake, um, Tomb Raider, that sort of thing. So I think it does set it apart from those titles. And if it, it plays as smoothly as it looks, where there's not a lot of you know, robotic movement or turns or or you're trying to punch and it's just doing odd things with your fists, um, things we've kind of come to expect from first-person type um, games, then I think, yeah, I think they'll do really good. I mean, graphically, it looks great. Um, you know, it looks like it has um, the voice acting seemed solid from what we saw. Uh, generally speaking, it, it looks good. So I, I, I'm excited. I'll be really excited to see, you know, what the final product looks like and as we get more um, hands-on with it uh, down the road here. And you see, I'm going to be sounding like a broken record here, but my thing is this is exactly the type of game that E3 was made for. This is the kind of game that they would be out putting the first hands-on gameplay to the press over the summertime, getting everyone hyped for what is probably going to be a, um, you know, September, October, November 
release point if it's not delayed. But what I saw looked very interesting. I like the fact that there was a puzzle element to it, but it didn't seem to be focused on puzzles. I like the fact that there was the working the uh, tail gun on the plane. Um, I do hope that little scene where he had to do the jump from the plane wing to the other one isn't going to be uh, one of those elements where uh, I absolutely hate uh, the time jumps in various games. So hopefully this isn't going to be overwhelming with that. But that being said, you know, that is kind of part and parcel what Indiana Jones is all about. But I think this has been very impressive. And I kind of understand now why we didn't see or hear much about it at all since it was released, since announced, uh, because they were waiting until they had a trailer. And it, it does appear that it has been uh, universally praised across the board. So, uh, Joey, tell us uh, what else you saw at the Xbox Showcase in terms of what stood out to you that might be uh, one to keep an eye out on, since obviously Indy seems to be getting all of the attention. Yes, Indy definitely captured the action part of my heart, but Hellblade 2 definitely piqued my bloodthirst part of my heart, if you will. Uh, this game by Ninja Theory, we finally got some updates on it. Obviously, a sequel to the first, I believe. Uh, it looks gorgeous. I mean, freaky horrorish. Think kind of like uh, uh, Elden Ring meets God of War almost. So you're going to have these long, lengthy battles that are difficult and are really a struggle, but it's kind of in that theme of like gore and almost God of Warish, where there's a lot of blood. Uh, really, it, I mean, they didn't get a whole lot of scenes, if you will, from it or trailer, but from what we saw, definitely breathtaking, definitely going to uh, jump, uh, keep those, get those jump scares out at night. Uh, one interesting thing that they did release is that it's going to be digital only, but it will be only $49.99. So I thought that was kind of cool. A uh, little controversy there. Obviously, people do like to buy discs, almost like vinyls, so that they can collect them and display them. But uh, the price tag will be a little bit lower, which is nice. And I believe they said the 21st that will be coming out. Uh, so I would definitely recommend checking that out. Absolutely. All right. So uh, the next thing I wanted to go to uh, was Michael's impression at CES. He was there with his wife. Uh, we had uh, some other people there. My wife and I were there as well. Uh, but I'd be very curious to know what stood out for you during your time at the show. Yeah, a real quick side tangent to what Joey was mentioning about Hellblade. Because um, there is a lot of focus on, you know, schizophrenia and that sort of thing. If you really want to be freaked out, try the original on VR. It's <laughs> the <goose laughs> is coming from all over the place. Uh, oh, man. So... So yeah, um, but but anyways, uh, that kind of ties into my my time at CES, right? So um, I think what most people really were expecting CES, there was a lot on AI. Um, to put it mildly, everything was kind of AI. But I did get to see, spend quite a bit of time in VR while I was there. Um, I, I I spent time with the at the Sony uh, booth uh, playing their Ghostbusters, the the Ghostbusters game on the PSVR 2. Uh, it's been out now, I think, for a couple of months. And Gareth, I know that you played it and had some video on it. But it was mainly because they're going to be releasing an update to it where Slimer is going to be introduced into the game. Uh, so this was their big opportunity to kind of show off the PSVR 2, uh, show off Ghostbusters in particular, and to talk about the Slimer 
um, DLC that'll be coming out. So it was good. I, I really hadn't had a lot of hands-on um, with the PSVR 2 specifically. Now I do own five VR helmets, just not that one yet. So that's probably on my list, but uh, you know, I can only have so many VR helmets. But that being said, um, I did spend some time at B-Haptic um, and that got to try out their uh, B-Haptic vest. Uh, they had a couple of them. One is uh, has fewer motors. The one I tried on both, the one that I liked, I think it has 40 separate motors um, and it uh, you know zips up. It allows you to feel everything from you know, gunshots to punches to uh, they have music demos you can do with it. it and it was really high quality. It, it was a little pricey. I think it was 700 is the one I tried on. A little bit pricey, but at the same time, the quality of it was fantastic. Uh, I was also there to try out their haptic gloves. Now, one of the things about VR in general is being able to hold things and, and textures. This isn't that, um, at least not in this iteration. But what these gloves do offer is they have um, motors in the uh, the fingertips themselves. So you can kind of feel like they had a demo where you kind of shake somebody's hand or you slap them around, literally, um, hug, that kind of thing. It, and they also had some stuff where you're um, picking up guns and holding things. So it gives you a little bit of tactile feedback um, responsiveness in the gloves. Again, it's not the level of detail where you have uh, individual um, pressure points in the gloves where you can feel like you're gripping something or something like that. But I think it is a, a next step of immersion. So it's not quite at the, the tactile feeling of, because uh, they do have some crazy ones where that you can actually feel texture and that sort of thing. It's not that, but these were priced to the point where it's not going to be that. I think there were $300 and those are, likely coming out um, later this year, 2024. Um, but, it, and you know, it does rely a bit on uh, a lot of the uh, folks to integrate this into those uh, gloves. Um, so I'd be curious to see how that takes on. Um, along those same lines, I did meet with uh, a company um, from Korea, Hex uh, R, and they do have the gloves for medical. And this was a little bit different because they, these gloves actually would show uh, hot and cold, and they were designed for, for uh, students who are uh, med students, so they can learn to feel what does a fatty liver feel like? What does an um, uh, irregular heartbeat feel like? So you would, they actually had a, a demo where you were doing some you know, feeling of somebody's heart to feel, does this, is this feel normal? Is this AFib um, doing a uh, demo where you're feeling somebody's the liver and how does a normal liver feel versus how does a fatty liver feel. The idea is that you are utilizing these um, experiences over and over and over and over again. That is kind of like trains your, your brain to recognize things without having to constantly um, be in front of a patient. Uh, muscle memory, that sort of thing. A very interesting take on how these things um, the different things they can do with this. So I, I was excited to see, you know, I'm always excited to see the innovation when it comes to the VR space. Um, on those same lines, uh, went to the Canon booth, and the Canon booth also had a um, DSLR VR lens so that for um, folks who were want to shoot in VR, but they don't want to invest in a true VR camera because 
the cost of those are fairly significant. Um, it doesn't isn't this you know it, you you it, you can shoot the pictures, you can view them. I view them through a VR helmet, and it it just gives a lot of vibrance to the picture. You know, it looks three dimensional. Um, it's it's you know you take a, a normal shot. They had a picture of a kitten, um, but you take a you take a normal shot with your DSLR um, with the VR lens, and it'll shoot in VR so that when you you can send it off to folks who have a VR helmet, uh, like a Meta or something like that, MetaQuest. And they could actually view these things in VR. So pretty interesting tech. Um, and again, the idea for, for the lens is, you know, the lens is not going to be cheap. I didn't ask about the price, but they were showing it off on an 8K DS, DSLR camera, which isn't what I have. So it's, it's not going to be cheap. But if you look at it from a uh, investing in, in a lens versus buying a whole new camera that's strictly for VR, it gives you a lot more opportunities to uh, expand your your existing camera and, and what you're currently shooting in a little bit more. I wouldn't say it's not professional in the sense that it's not necessarily for um, movies and that sort of thing. They had those types of cameras there. But this would be more for people who maybe make a living um, shooting events or shooting weddings and gives them an opportunity to expand that portfolio into VR and that sort of thing. And again, it's just a lens that attaches to an existing DSLR camera and that allows you to shoot um, video or still shots with VR. So, so again, that's, that's pretty exciting stuff. I hadn't really intended from a majority of my uh, stay to be with the VR side of things, but I think it worked out pretty well. So I was pretty excited uh, to get that opportunity uh, to do all that from the, the CES perspective. Uh, obviously other folks I saw, Thermal Take, um, got to spend some time with their cases, their water cooling stuff. Um, pretty cool stuff that's coming out. Um, and Lenovo as well. I, I spent some time in there with them, um, going over some of their new laptops, uh, some of their new desktops, their gaming type rigs that are coming out. Um, so like CES again, you know, there's there's I could probably, we could probably spend an entire hour just talking about the different CES stuff. But the newer tech's always pretty exciting, and, and even if some of the stuff doesn't become um, something that we can that will actually come out. Uh, it's good to see where that a lot of these companies are still really buying into the VR. They're still, you know, Sony's already kind of committed that they're gonna, you know, stick with VR. So it's not it, it does, it's not one of those trends like 3D where we think it's gonna just drop off the face of the earth within a you know a couple of years. Um, as as more people invest in it and as the tech becomes cheaper and more um, a little bit more immersive in general, I think that's where the real magic will begin. We're not at the oasis right now yet, but um, we are making strides in that direction. It's pretty exciting. You know, it's funny you should mention 3D. I think some of the things that caught my attention uh, were the transparent TVs, which were really impressive. Uh, when I was at the Samsung booth looking at the stoves, uh, yeah, wife and tow, uh, I, I thought it was hysterical. They had this stove that you uh, have this little screen on it. And they say any screen in your house, you can turn on and off the stove, change the temperature, look in on what's cooking, that sort of thing. And then they're like, oh, yeah, you can uh, see who's at the door. You can take phone calls. You can uh, tweak or disable the Wi-Fi, all of that from the stove right here. And you can even watch uh, things. And 
they were showing us like AI infused vacuums that the moment they touch the ground, they automatically read what type of surface it is and adjust. And then I don't know if you saw the, the quick thing about the toilets for video gamers. It's like, wow, you know, that that's kind of scary. And of course, transparent TVs were everywhere. But before we get on to the final topic, what got me was Samsung had uh, the 3D monitors for 3D gaming without any glasses or headgear. And it was rather interesting because when you first sit down, the character looks a bit blurry and you're like, okay, this isn't going to work. And they were like, just, just stay looking at it for a little bit and eventually your eyes adjust to it. And it is full immersive 3D. I saw the center effects coming. It looked like the characters were walking around the town and fighting right there in front of me on the desk. The only drawback I saw was that if I moved myself or I turned my head too far, it went out and I had to like readjust to it. But when I was looking straight forward like you were for gaming, uh, it was a full 3D experience. And that was really impressive. They said it works with a couple of cameras in the monitor, uh, tracking your eye, that sort of thing. And so we also mentioned NVIDIA revealing the super cards. I've got one on order, so I'm going to jump up to the fours from the threes, and we'll see how that all plays out. But the final thing I wanted to uh, discuss with everybody is that I got news that the first look at Deadpool 3 is reportedly a teaser that is scheduled to be shown during the uh, Super Bowl. So... That got me thinking. Super Bowl is certainly no stranger to um, upcoming movies. There's been a lot of hype about several TV shows, um, you know, essentially starting their uh, new season directly after uh, the Super Bowl. Some of them will be, you know, literally right after. Some will be that week. So I thought we'd go around. We'll start at Justin, work our way down the line. What do you think we might see first looks movie-wise at the Super Bowl? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, that's actually a really difficult question to answer because I'm honestly really not sure what the big, uh, besides Deadpool 3, what the big headline movies are going uh, to be. I mean, we don't have Star Wars really this year um, you know, I, and I'm really not quite sure what marvel has slated this year um deadpool. De just deadpool Did, well was... unless you count the sony stuff that like you know venom and madam web and uh craven the hunter yeah but we already have seen madam web and i just don't think that madam web is gonna take the super bowl um yeah that's a, a, honestly i that's a really difficult question to answer i'm not try, quite sure what we're gonna see uh as far as like the big headlining uh, teasers and trailers, I mean, Deadpool three, I think that's a safe one that that's going to be big. Um, but as far as other ones, uh, I'm, I'm going to defer to, to, uh, uh, to everyone else. I'm actually not quite sure what we're going to see. Uh, Michael, your take. Yeah. So, um, Deadpool obviously was the one that I was thinking of. Um, Dune two is going to be really close to release around that time. Um, so we'll probably be seeing a ton of, I don't know that we'll see anything necessarily new, uh, for that again, maybe we will. Um, I'm trying to think what else is, what else is on the horizon, the horizon for, um, 
this year. But I, I mean, I would think obviously those are kind of the two that I, that immediately come to mind. Uh, maybe a little bit more of the Ghostbusters. Um, mm. We've already seen the Frozen Empire teaser trailer. I think one, or has there only been one, or has there been two? I think there's um, one. But I, I would imagine we'll see another a fair, a, a newer preview for uh, the Ghostbusters movie. Um, those are kind of the three off the top of my head that I can think about. Joey, what do you have for us? Yeah, I'm trying to think of a budget that would uh, want to put one in for the Super Bowl because it's pretty early in the year. Because I think we're getting what a Gladiators, a Lord of the Rings, and another movie coming out late Christmas ish. Joker, is it? Maybe that's coming out. Yeah. yeah but I think that four. might be. Yeah, I think that might be a little too early for them. But at the same time, the Super Bowl just draws in such a huge audience, along with the streams you get off of YouTube and other uh, platforms that. You could see either any of those at that point, but I, I don't think it's any surprise that Deadpool is the, the big named one that uh, we all think of here because, I mean, that that's the one that's going to, I think, draw the biggest audience. And see, and that is driving me crazy because I look at it and I go, okay, I think it's safe to say we're going to see newer trailers or shorter trailers of stuff that's already been announced that is getting closer to coming out. So, you know, I just off the top of my head, I'm going, OK, saw a trailer for the fall guy. Curious to see if they're going to push that. Um, I could see if the John Krasinski film, I could see Furiosa and Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, maybe the Garfield movie. These are due out in May. They've already put trailers out. You know, there you have it. That could work. Now, that's where it starts getting interesting. It's. Would they put the John Wick spinoff ballerina out? Would we get Bad Boys 4, Inside Out 2? These are June movies. Would we get A Quiet Place Day 1? Because I think that's entirely possible. Despicable Me 4, maybe Mufasa the Lion King. Any of those could be in play, because Disney certainly would do it. We've already mentioned Venom 3. That's where I think the cutoff might be, because... This is where it gets really, really goofy. We got to remember San Diego Comic-Con around July 24th. We've got all the actors back. We've got all the writers back. We've got all the directors. They're going to probably be revealing things left, right, and center. So what do they tip their hand there? What do they wait? So if I had to take a guess, like Twisters is coming out a week before, so you might see that. We don't know because of the reshoots, Captain America, Brave New World. Wouldn't be shocked to see that there. Borderlands, that's due out in August. Probably going to get something there. And then back to what we discussed at the beginning of the show, Alien Romulus. Now, I would hope we're going to see something before uh, July 24th, because if we don't see a peep on this thing before, um, you know, literally like, three weeks before it comes out, there could be a bigger problem. But uh, Craven the Hunter, also something that fits. That's got me just wondering, okay, what's there going to be and what do we not know about that they're going to just drop it on us? So either way, lots to think about, only a few more weeks, and we will get to find out what it's all about. And folks, that is going to do it for us this week. We will be back next week with a new show, new content. Until then, stay safe, and if you're in areas that are affected by the cold, stay warm. We'll talk to you soon.